Hello, and welcome to Humans of Agape. We are Agape Europe, a community of people who make Jesus known, so lives are changed and Europe is transformed. We want to bring spiritual hope and help to people from all walks of life. I am your host, my name is Jochen Geck. I work in the Berlin City Hub in Germany, and I'm curious to hear about what God is doing across Europe. So this is what this podcast is all about. I interview people who are on staff with Agape and ask them about what God is doing in their lives and ministries. Italy has been on the forefront of global news these past weeks, so it's my great pleasure to get to talk with Joel Hartman in Rome today. Ciao, Joel! <laughs> Ciao, Bello! Come <laughs> say? Now my natural instinct is to answer in French, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep it in English, even though we're very international here. Now... This is the first time our listeners are going to know that we're not in the same place for doing this interview because you're in a place at the moment where you can't just meet up with people. Joel, where are you? I am in lockdown in Rome, Italy. Uh, and you're right, there's been a few new vocabulary words introduced uh, recently, like social distancing. Uh, so we are keeping our social distance <laughs> and we're very thankful for good technology to make this interview possible yeah yeah so rome what's that like at the moment well rome it's sunny it's beautiful outside warm weather um, i'm dressed for spring but i am not really allowed to go outside unless there's a, a good reason and even then you have to carry around like a certificate that says what your reason is because you will get stopped by the police um, so everyone's kind of hunkered down trying to figure out how to live life and uh, how to navigate this current uh, reality with the covid virus going around wow well let's maybe take a step back and uh, let you properly introduce yourself so people know who we're dealing with Who are you, Joel? <laughs> Who am I? Uh, my name is Joel Hardman. Um, my wife, Amy, and I live in Rome with our three daughters, Livia, Isley, and Aurelia. And uh, we've been here for about 12 years working with Crew or Agape Italia, uh, in the student ministry. Okay. And what's your role within the student ministry? Uh, you know, the title is National Campus Director, um, which if you're outside of Crew, you would probably have no idea what that means. So what does it mean? <laughs> I like to think of myself as a gardener. Um, I help create the environment where uh, student ministry can thrive and prayerfully multiply all across Italy. And you share that role with your wife, don't you? I do. Um, we have different strengths and gifts. Um, so Amy is very strategic in her thinking. And even though her time is a little bit more constrained helping out with the kids, um, We do our best to kind of share the job. Uh, I actually could not do this without her. Yeah. So as a gardener who can't go outside at the moment, how does that work? Yeah. So you think about a gardener, you think about what's their role is to cultivate. Sometimes that's weeding things out. Sometimes that's planting things in. Sometimes it's watering. Sometimes it is creating support and structure for growth. Uh, so... Our ability to do that face-to-face -face has been cut off uh, recently. But, you know, we have technology. We can do that at a distance. Uh, so whether that's with staff throughout the country or with students, we are 
doing it a little bit different, but we are still trying to essentially cultivate uh, the right environment for really God to move and the Holy Spirit to show up and to be at work. Hmm. And what has been your experience with that so far? You know, um, the springtime tends to be a pretty busy time for student ministry. Uh, students are coming out of exams. We have spring break, summer missions, different trainings with Agape. And uh, usually what happens is that we think about uh, the spring and we think, oh, man, like we've just got so much going on. What would it look like if we just had a clear schedule? Uh, and the Lord <laughs> kind of quickly did that for <laughs> us. He took away our meetings. Um, so we were going to visit our teams to kind of check in and do some training. And we, we canceled those uh, train tickets that we had. We had spring break groups that were coming and summer missions groups that were coming and we canceled those. And then the trainings uh, with Agape for our different staff across the country and throughout Europe have been canceled. And now we have that time to kind of figure out where the Lord's leading and how can we come alongside that. And so a lot of that right now, like I said, is online, it's digital, and we are yeah, trying to still figure out how to do it well. Hmm. I like this way of looking at things, seeing this as an opportunity to see what the Lord is doing and what he wants you to do, because I think that often, especially, I mean, this is unprecedented change for most of us, but in a situation of change that is kind of forced upon us, we kind of lament the loss and even a change of plans and there's a there's a time and place for lament i want to be sensitive to that but i also like to see the way you see this as just an opportunity to ask lord what, what he wants to do now yeah so our um, national director franco bozio he often talks about how every challenge is also an opportunity uh, and i've been <laughs> that's been popping up in my mind a lot recently of What does this challenge, this current reality, what does it make possible? And I think it doesn't look the same for everyone. You know, we have three small children that are home. Uh, they've been out of school for a couple of weeks now, and we have no idea when they'll go back to school. So our reality looks a lot different than some of our uh, other staff without kids. And so often I think about it as there's kind of There's a tale of two quarantines. There's the version with kids and the version without kids. And God's at work in both situations. It's just looking a lot different. Um, so for our staff who are single or married without kids, their reality is actually a lot closer to our students' reality of they are isolated, they're home, they're maybe feeling a little bit more alone in that uh, they're wanting more human connection. For those of us with kids at home, we're <laughs> surrounded by our, our kids that we love very much, but that just makes it a challenge to um, be able to get get work done and, and be productive. I think in both of those, though, what I keep reflecting on and what the Lord keeps placing on my heart is like not necessarily what is it that God is calling me to do right now. I think that's a valid question that we should all ask ourselves, like, how do we need to change? How do we need to be more effective? But I think the real question we should be asking ourselves is, what is God trying to do in my own life? Or how is God challenging me to be more conformed into his image in this circumstance? Because the reality is this virus it one day will pass. And I don't know when that's going to be, 
But at the end of it, will I be more like Christ? Will I be more in his image? And that shows up in so many small ways throughout my day, the way I respond to my kids or to Amy um, or to, you know, challenges that I get from emails from staff that are asking for help and direction. And like I said, we're trying to cultivate the right environment to, to see student ministry flourish. But I think first and foremost, we have to cultivate that environment in our own hearts of where God can flourish in our own hearts and where we can abide in him and connect with him in the midst of this kind of crazy reality that we're right now collectively all throughout the world living together. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. But how do you do it? How do you do it in your situation with the small kids at home? And how do you encourage your team to do it with massively different life circumstances? I think first it's being attuned to the Holy Spirit. I think that today it's easy to read the news or listen to the news and to be worried, um, to not know, you know, can I go outside? Can I um, go to the grocery store without being stopped by the police? Or, you know, do I need to really be serious about this virus? Like, could I get infected? Could that infect someone else? And I think that if we are first and foremost um, getting input from the world around us, And that's going to naturally lead to more anxiety, more stress, more um, just worry. But if I'm choosing first and foremost to go to the Lord, to be in his presence, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, that changes the way that I approach the rest of my day. So I think that it starts in the morning by not picking up my phone. <laughs> It's the most natural thing to do is to lean over, turn off the, the alarm on my phone and then want to check like what's going on today. But instead to leave my phone in the room and go have some time with the Lord praying, meditating. And, you know, there's nothing new about this. It's not like this is rocket science. Um, but I think practicing the presence of the Lord And moment by moment, as Bill Bright, our founder, would say, um, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and to help me respond, not in the way that my flesh would want to respond with fear or frustration, but with grace and love um, that's seeking not just uh, to get done the things that I feel like I need to get done, which, again, is a lot harder for me in this moment, but also just being like, okay, God, like, You've hijacked my day. <laughs> You've hijacked my ministry that's going on in these days. What is it that you're up to and, and what do you want to do? Like, what do you what do you want from me in this? And I think going back to that, it's like there are things that I think we should be seeking to do. But even more than that, it's practicing that presence of the Lord and asking him, how can I grow more into your likeness in this current reality? Yeah. And I mean, as you say, it's not rocket science, but it probably looks vastly different when you're confined to your apartment, your house, and have children that demand your attention. Absolutely. You know, I try to get up before my kids get up, but um, at this <laughs> point, they're waking up as soon as I'm up. Um, and so, yeah, it just looks different in this season of life, you know, when We, before we had kids or when our kids were smaller and, you know, I could go to a coffee shop and spend time with the Lord or even before this quarantine when I could go outside, you know, it looked a little bit different, but I don't 
get to choose my circumstances. Like I'm not sovereign over all these things that are going on around me, but I do get to make choices throughout my day of how Mm -hmm. is it that I'm going to respond? How is it that I'm going to maybe put in the right things, being able to close my computer at a certain time, leave it in the other room, turn off my phone and just be present with my kids and with my wife. And, you know, I'm not great at it. Like there are times where it's, you know, feels a little bit crazier and feels like I need to be on or connected. But, you know, to be honest, it's like at the end of the day, my calling is to the Lord and to my family and to my ministry. And I don't want to um, let ministry or even just this feeling that I need to be the one that's doing infringe on my relationship with my wife and my kids. That is Mm. for a lifetime. My ministry calling you know, the Lord has had us here for about 12 years. We don't have any plans on leaving, but God could call us to another place tomorrow. And if we are willing to go, then I think that that means for me of like, I want to say that I lived well here, loving my family, loving Italians around me, but also being willing to say that I grew in my ministry here, I grew in my walk with the Lord. Like I'm not the same person I was when I first showed up as a single person Mm -hmm. 12 years ago. Yeah. And I love that distinction that you made between God being sovereign and you're not being sovereign. And I mean, this situation, this lockdown, uh, this virus situation shows us that more than most things before that we're definitely not sovereign in so many things that we do, but we do get to make choices. And when you say that, that's what you want to be true of yourself, that you loved Italians and you, you loved your team and you loved your family that is definitely a choice and it's a choice to invest time in our work with the lord and it's a choice to give up control too absolutely you know i think of um, verses in the bible that talk about how the lord is seated on his throne ruling and reigning and how up until a couple of weeks ago um, the world was kind of moving along there's this epicenter in china but it seemed kind of far off And then all of a sudden, flash forward a couple of weeks, and, you know, Europe, now the U.S., and I imagine other places are going to to stop. Things are going to come to a halt. It wasn't because of war. It wasn't because of a political change, but it was something invisible, something that, you know, we can't even see with our eyes. And yet, the Lord is still reigning. The Lord is still in control. Like, He has that ability to kind of disrupt everything that's going on around us. And I think our responses can be different. It's like we can respond in fear of, oh no, like what's going to happen? I think that's a natural response. We can respond in prayer, which is another way to respond to say, okay, Lord, like, you know, help me to grow in this, help me to seek you. But I think there's also a response of praise of like, okay, God, like you're sovereign, like you're in control. Like there is Nothing in this world, not even this virus that is outside of your control. And I give you praise because you are worthy of praise. And so I think that, you know, sometimes I can talk a lot about personal growth. That's something that I'm passionate about. But I think in in the end, it's also God's revealing to us who he is through his word, but also through these events that are around us that, you know, you look at the history of Israel and it's like time and time again, he used war, he used famine, he used 
uh, adversity to remind his people of their need for him. And I think that that's what God's part of what God's probably up to. I can't read the mind of God in this. I'm not going to speak for him. I'm not his spokesperson in that way, but I'm not his press secretary. But I think from what he's revealed about himself, we can be assured that he's wanting us to know that, hey, like we're dependent on, on him. Yeah. You've mentioned kind of the two tales of confinement. Let's talk a little bit about the other tale. What do you hear from the people on your team that are maybe uh, married with no kids or are, are single? How are they dealing with this? What are they learning? I think from, from having conversations with different staff, they are learning, one, to connect um, socially with others, with students, especially online and digital strategies. And I say digital strategies because that's something that within the crew world we've been kind of pushing into. We have uh, Lynn McNeil, well, former McNeil, now she's Lynn Griffin, she got married, who's been leading up our digital strategies for student ministry in Italy for about a year now. And we've been wrestling with what does that look like? Like, how do we do this well? Well, all of a sudden we're kind of forced into that situation where it's not just uh, – something that we're trying to add on to our face-to-face -face ministry. But right now it is our means of, of ministering to students. And so our staff are being creative in how they're mm -hmm. reaching out to students. Uh, they are, have uh, been sending out um, a daily Bible meditation that focuses on um, how we can rest and trust in the Lord in the midst of this crisis. Uh, and then now we're going into our second week of, of quarantine and uh, we're focusing on how can we encourage one another in the midst of this. And so they're um, planning online Bible studies together. They're planning game nights, virtual game nights where they're <laughs> playing the same game, but you know, over FaceTime uh, or even watching movies together and kind of texting and talking about like what it is they like about the movie, just ways to kind of connect with people um, and so that's one of the things that we're learning. I think uh, our single um, staff people have more time to do that, um, just to be texting and connecting. I think the other thing that they're working on is a lot of things that, that we've had in place, but it's they're important things, but they never feel urgent. So new staff training, working on you know sharpening our skills or our tools in our tool bag, sharpening our language skills, learning more Italian. Um, our... Team leader, Matteo, he was just in America um, <laughs> and just got back. And he's got 14 days of self-isolation. And, um, you know, I think that in the midst of this, it's like learning to be there for one another when you can't physically be there for one another. Uh, and I think, honestly, it's like we are so well connected throughout the world that it's not even just Italians that we're connecting with now. We're connecting with people all across the world. Hmm. My brother lives in France and uh, he's been, he teaches English there and he's been texting me and we've been talking as he's been remodeling his house at his apartment. And it's just a way that we're more intentional about connecting because we just don't have those outside connections that we normally do. So it just gives me more focused time to be able to connect with those that are important to me. Yeah. I like that. And it's true that as Europe kind of, I mean, you guys in Italy are sadly a little ahead of 
most other European countries with this. So you might have some very practical advice for for our listeners. But we're kind of all in this together, even though there's this famous social distancing. But um, before we get to the practical advice, I wanted to ask about what you hear from your staff were single or married with no kids how are they doing what you stressed as so important leaning into their relationship with the lord being filled by the holy spirit because that probably also looks different from your family routine yeah i think too for our single staff i mean we all have needs we all have social needs and i think it's easy to think of single staff as people that um, are all like the same as like they have time, they want to be with students, but we've got introverts, we've got extroverts, we've got different Enneagram type numbers. And so some of them are, you know, sitting at home and they're just wanting to get out because they're so excited. And others are taking that time because they're more introverted and they're reading books and they're learning and they're growing and they're kind of doing self um, discovery. Uh, and so I think part of it kind of depends a little bit on their personality as well. They're not all the same. They're not all equal. And so even our team leaders are talking about like, okay, well, let's look at strengths finders. Let's look at these different tools that we have that people can learn more about themselves in a way that can also help them grow in their walk with the Lord. I think self-awareness is one of the great gifts that we uh, often kind of give to our staff of like, hey, like, you know, crew can sometimes be a place that loves these kind of like diagnostic tools of like, you know, your Enneagram, your Uh, help me out here. There's uh, Enneagram, right? Myers-Briggs. Yep. There's Berkman. Berkman. There's all these different tools <laughs> that we have. Well, now it's like we're sitting at home and we've actually got time to kind of like go through those different things and kind of see like, okay, like this is how I respond in this situation. Maybe I don't have to respond that way. And, and so there's some of that going on. So one thing that this has made possible, uh, this event, uh, worldwide event, is that Italy is just on so many people's minds right now. Like we're all across the news, we're the epicenter, whatever. So, so many of our friends, family, ministry partners in the States are wanting to know like what's going on here. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're able to connect with them and just kind of share um, their experience. And because we're a couple of weeks ahead of the curve, we're able to just kind of share how we've been processing it, hoping that that will be an encouragement to our friends, family, ministry partners that are back in the States. Yeah. Well, Italy being the epicenter, maybe you're also a little ahead of us in figuring out what the Lord wants us to do in these times. You mentioned that earlier, that your calendar that was full of project is now wiped clean. You already talked about this inner work and um, really being filled with the Holy Spirit. On a ministry level, what do you think that could mean? I think there's a lot of ways that this could play out. And we're still at the beginning of, of trying to figure this out. But I think that inner work that the Lord is doing in our own hearts, the most natural thing is for that to overflow into our relationships. Um, and, you know, the emotions that we're feeling, the highs, the lows, the anxiety, the fears, our students, our friends are all feeling those same things, our neighbors. So what does it look like then to be attuned to their emotions and to be able to share your own emotions about how you're processing? So one of the things we do as part of our training is we talk about a weakness testimony. You know, 
which basically is you share well, like what's the struggle that you're currently facing and how is God meeting you in that current struggle. And the, the amazing thing about right now is I, I would venture to say 99% of the world is facing that similar struggle of, you know, I, I'm not sure how long this is going to last. I'm not sure what the cost is going to be, or I'm not sure how long I'm going to have to stay home. So why not experience those emotions together? Even in our kids' class, so they're home and our, the teachers are sending uh, homework and assignments. And the first couple of assignments that they sent were all about this virus. Like, what does this mean? Like, what do we like? What do we talk about when we talk about the virus? How dangerous is it? And you know, my kids are six, five, and at first I thought they were just going to send like, you know, assignments that were kind of happy, like distract you from <laughs> what's going on. But then thinking about it, it's like, no, like this is actually a very beautiful thing of like, this is a collective experience, a, a worldwide collective experience. Let's talk about it together, but let's use this also as a way to talk about how the Lord meets us and the Lord gives us peace in the midst of uncertainty. Um, and so I've seen this also in our church. So our church has gone online for the last couple of weeks. We had a baptism service last week online. Wow. Um, but our pastor, he's been talking about, uh, we've been studying through the book of first Samuel and he's actually been talking about that, but in the context of, okay, what does it look like for us now to, um, live this reality in light of where we are, um, in light of this virus that's going on and how can we be God's priests or God's Kings, um, to bring forward, to proclaim the gospel, in these challenging times that we face. And so I think one of the things that God's doing is he's giving us something collective that we're all experiencing. Why not use that as a way to talk about God? Um, and I think that's probably one of the first things that, that come to mind. I think the second thing that comes to mind is let's unite in prayer. Hmm. Uh, I think that, so we've been doing this month long 24 hours of prayer every March with our ministry partners for Italy. And, uh, for the last couple of years, uh, every March there's been something crazy and often really bad that's happened. So last year, my middle daughter, Isley, um, had to go to the hospital when I was, um, away in another country for training and I had to come back for that. And that same month, our team leader, Alex in Bologna broke his Achilles heel hmm. And then his wife, who was um, about seven months pregnant at that time, went into early labor and had to stay in bed for the next couple months. And, you know, this year it's no different. Uh, instead of maybe personal challenges that have come up, there's this worldwide global pandemic that's going on. And I don't think that, you know, our, us praying has caused those bad things to happen. But I do think that um, in the midst of all of this, there, it's a reminder that there's a spiritual battle going on. And I think that this has given us an opportunity to rally together and to say, let's pray for the Lord to be moving and working in this situation, first in our own hearts and also in the lives of those around us. Um, and so we've been intentional about connecting with our ministry partners. Um, we've been intentional about connecting with students that we know. My prayer is that the Lord uses this 
in those students' lives that are able to share with their friends that are able to share with their friends. We have started a hashtag and with our digital strategies talking about um, a viral hope, speranza um, virale, <laughs> in that our hope is that this is something that the Lord uses in a way that we just can't predict. Yeah. I'm not going to try and guess how he might use this, but I'm just trusting that the Lord is at work and we're, in a sense, along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. So we got to hold on tight. Definitely need to buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> buckle up. Um, now, with all that you've shared, you've had a little more time to think about all of this and how it affects you than our listeners and staff in most other European countries. Do you have some very tangible advice for them how to deal with this? I know some countries are already on lockdown, some aren't. How to prepare for that? What's the advice that you wish you would have had two weeks ago mm. or three? Yeah, I would say stock up on coffee. You know, in the States, there's this like run on toilet paper. Don't worry about toilet paper. Coffee is what you really need. I say that jokingly <laughs> because Italians drink a lot of coffee. And they do. I might as Coffee well. and pasta? Coffee and pasta. <laughs> yeah. Um, practical advice. I think first I would just say, think about what this makes possible. I think if we start to think about what what's not possible, I think that can take us to just a, a downward spiral. But if we think about it as a, an opportunity, I think that changes things. Um, so I think that's the first kind of perspective. I would say the second is get into a routine. I think that routines help give us the structure to kind of thrive in. Hmm. So whether that's creating a list of like morning rituals of like, you know, I want to wake up every morning. I want to make coffee. I want to read my Bible. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to, you know, get dressed and start my day. I think that that helps in the monotony of like every day can start to feel the same. Mm -hmm. And then I would also say like, You know, it's important to stay up to date on what's going on, but don't let that be the only thing that you're consuming, the news, um, because I think that that is another way that can lead to more anxiety and doesn't actually produce what you want in your own life, which is faith and hope. Um, and so I would say be informed, know, you know, what the emergency plan is, but also don't let that be the only thing that you're consuming. Mm. Um, and then I would say the other thing is just remember, like, you're not the only one. You're not alone. You might be physically alone, but you're not alone in that other people are experiencing the same thing. And other people are in just as much desire to reach out and to be connected. Um, we all have that same desire to be connected to one another. So take that as an open door to connect with people that you maybe haven't had a chance to for a while. And suddenly they're not working. So you've got the chance or even people that have been in your life that you haven't seen in a while. Like, hey, this is a great way to reintroduce spiritual conversation to those that you've been sharing with for a long time. And, hey, it's like I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, this is crazy. What's going on here? And, hey, like I've been praying for you. Like what's been challenging? Be curious about how other people are experiencing it and be open about sharing how you're experiencing it with others. Yeah. I like that. And it shows also how in this the way that we're in this all together, it makes a lot more people our neighbors that we should love than 
just uh, the people living next door. Just out of curiosity, um, do you still get to connect with your neighbors or kind of love your neighbors in a very immediate sense? Yeah, so we actually have a, um, a doorman who Vincenzo is his name. And he's kind of a particular guy, but and he's got a lot of health issues. So, you know, when I'm chatting with him, I tell him, hey, like, how can I be praying for you? And um, the other day I was getting ready to go to the grocery store and he stopped me. He was so concerned. He said, Joel, like, you have to have this, like, basically like a permission slip to go to the grocery store. And I'm like, I'm sorry, like, I don't have one. He's like, I'll go fill one out <laughs> for you. So he goes and he prints one out, makes me several copies Because he was so concerned about, like, my own well-being and safety in this. And so I think that it's it's given me more opportunity to kind of interact with him. But, you know, it's hard when you see your neighbors, but people are, you know, wanting to keep their distance. And so we're doing our best to let people know that we're here for them and that we care for them. And, you know, if they need us to go to the grocery store, we'll go and, and get stuff for them. I think that serving especially those that are less able whether they're you know health issues or age they're higher risk what a great opportunity mm -hmm. to practically show the love of christ to them yeah and now for many of those people and other people too they might have more time to read or listen to things uh, do you have any recommendations you could give for that other than listening to the old episodes of humans of agape that you haven't listened to that are still online yeah that's a great question and um i can tell you that uh, probably over half my staff are rolling their eyes that you're asking me this question because i love reading and if anyone comes to a meeting in my office i often give them a book <laughs> to read <laughs> so um i would say that there is some great resources One is a podcast called This Cultural Moment. Love it. It's a fantastic um, podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, I just could not recommend it more. What's it about? Uh, so that's a great question. Let's see if I can give you the quick summary. Um, basically, it's about how do we live as faithful Christians in the world that we find ourselves in right now? Uh, so we live in kind of this crazy post-Christian, post-modern, but it's really, it's changing so much. And uh, the two hosts of the podcast, one guy's from Australia, one guy's from Portland, just really help put into context the Christian faith. And they'll link it back to things that happened in the 1970s and the 1770s, and but also are able to connect it and project like, hey, this is where we're headed, and this is how we can engage with those around us. So it's a beautiful podcast. They do such a great job. So that's that's one recommendation. And then as far as books, there's so many good books out there. Um, but one book that I love is called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. Uh, if you mm -hmm. haven't read it, I think it's his best book he's ever written. And I think it's so helpful in this kind of environment where Uh, the first half of the book just kind of gives like perspective on suffering. Like, why is it that we're so adverse to suffering and why is it such a thing that we, we try to avoid at all costs, especially in our Western kind of mentality. And then the second half of the book is all of um, how do you walk alongside other people in the midst of suffering? Um, and so I think it's such a helpful way and perspective to think about even 
Like, how are we reaching out to those around us and acknowledging how they're feeling, but also saying like, hey, like there's a better worldview out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's a worldview that can make sense of suffering, that suffering isn't just, you know, some sort of like karma or God's angry at the world. And so like, that's why we're experiencing it. No, like it explains like that in the midst of suffering, there's hope. And I think that that's what ultimately so many people are looking for in the midst of this is how can I have hope in the midst of this? Um, So that's a second book or um, second resource that I would say. Yeah. And I'm sure this one has also been translated uh, into many European languages as many Tim Keller books have. So listeners can read it in their native language. Yeah, it It, it's on my wish list for Italian to be translated into Italian. It hasn't been translated yet, but I think that's a great one. And one that has been translated a lot is uh, Henry Cloud's Boundaries book, mm-hmm. which if you're looking for a personal growth and development book, it's an excellent resource. I highly recommend it. Especially in times of uh, quarantine. Absolutely. Because you know what? I think we're all kind of facing this quarantine right now, and that's a hardship and it's challenging, but let's not forget that people are people and they're still facing other challenges in their Mm -hmm. lives. Like I was texting with a friend back home uh, the other day who was just sharing about how uh, some marital trouble and her husband was thinking about leaving her. And my heart was just breaking for her of like, okay, yeah, we're all wrapped up in this current kind of crisis worldwide crisis, but people still have a lot of stuff going on in their lives. Um, and so it's like my heart's breaking for her and I want to be present and I want to speak hope into that situation and to be connected because one day it's like this crisis, it's going to pass. And my prayer is that I will have grown through it, but also that I would have taken the opportunity to still connect with people beyond this crisis because once this crisis dies down if all we've ever talked about for the last you know two or three months is this virus and you know everything that's going on then you get to the end of it and you're like what do we talk about now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's still connect about like other things that are going on in our lives like still look for how the lord's uprooting things and how the lord's convicting of sin and how the lord's causing us to grow in our lives and the lives of those around us Yeah. Thanks for those recommendations. I really like them. Now, before I let you go, I have one last question, and that is, how can we be praying for Italy at this time? Yeah, that's a great question. There's so many things to be praying for. As a nation, I just pray that this would be a spark um, that would maybe shake us of our um, idea that we are beyond the need for God. Um, like we're not, we're not sovereign of our own lives. And I think that that is part of that kind of Western mentality that reason is above God. And I think that this helps us see that I can't reason my way out of this crisis. I can't use tricky words to kind of make people think that it's not a big deal. (laughs) So a prayer request is, yeah, that we would just see this as a spark that would create an awakening or, um, a renewal in Italy. I think second, just prayer for those that are in authority. Those are the ones that are making decisions or those that are working in the front lines uh, to combat this virus. Um, 
I can't even imagine all the decisions that are having to be made right now or the fatigue um, from those who are working, but just prayer for the, those workers um, that the Lord would sustain them and support them. Um, and then lastly, I would just say a prayer that at the end of this, that our students and staff would have a renewed vision and desire to reach those that are lost and hurting around them. Um, I think that this has created an opportunity where people are being vulnerable about what's going on in their lives, what, you know, how they're feeling. And I just pray that that would provide open avenues or open opportunities to speak the truth and love and proclaim the gospel uh, in a way that's relevant to people's lives today. Yeah, we will be praying. Well, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time Absolutely. to share with us today. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I appreciate your podcast. Thanks. God bless you and your family. You as well. Goodbye. Bye. Ciao. That was Joel Hartman. He and his wife Amy co-lead Agape Student Ministry in Italy and are based in Rome. If you like this podcast, why don't you take a minute and send a message to your friends to recommend it to them? And it would be really helpful if you could share our Instagram stories. Speaking about social media, you can find Agape Europe on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or check out our website, agapeeurope.org. I'm Jochen Geck, and this is Humans of Agape. See you next time.